Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. This is Until You Make It. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by Michael Yadvish and the wonderful Joshua Lukowitz, who is uh, tele, tele, tele Skyping in. How do you, how do you even say that? Telepathically. <laughs> Joining us from California, as well as our guest producer, Ryan Lau, who is just being, being a stand-up guy. He's cute. He's also cute. cute. How, you, how you doing out there, Jay? It's, uh, it's far. It's far from where you are. <laughs> now, Josh is, will tell you that he's originally from, from New Jersey and moved out there. How, how long ago, Josh? Five years? Six years? So I moved here officially. Uh, that would have been the summer of 2015. There you go. Yeah. I have so many questions. Yeah. What's, what's going to be fun about this? Me, me too. So <laughs> just a little bit intro of how uh, Josh and I really got to know each other. Um, we both went to the College of New Jersey. Uh, Josh, I think, you know, Ryan and I both say it was a good you know, kind of mentor, I think, for both of us, really. Um, so, Josh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it away to you, actually, and if you could do a little intro for yourself, you know, what your, uh, what your position is out there. Yeah, so I work at uh, DreamWorks Animation. I'm in their television division right now. So they have, like, a features division that does the movies and stuff like that, and they have a television division that does a lot of different shows. So I currently work on a Netflix show uh, there as an assistant editor. I've been doing that for a couple of years now, and um, it's, been, it's been really good. It's not what I expected I'd be doing. I always thought I'd be more doing like live action or shooting or shooting and editing, kind of like what you guys do. But as fate would have it, I've, I've kind of fallen into animation um, and specifically animation editing. I met Ryan and Chris, college in New Jersey, good times. I had invested in a red camera in college because I was like, well, I'm in college and I'm dumb. So <laughs> one, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never potentially have this opportunity because they did offer like an education discount, which was a couple of thousand dollars. So that was like, okay, well, I, I should probably take 50 bucks education. Yeah, it was discount. about $45. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great deal. <laughs> Jump on no that. reason not to do it. You know? <laughs> I think it was like three or $4,000, I think. At the Damn, time. wait, really? Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Do they still do that? Do you know? It, honestly, I don't know. I'm not all sure right. if it's for like all products, right? Like this yeah. is an old camera. Like what I'm shooting on right now, this is considered a really old camera. It's 2011 sure. technology. Yeah. So I got it towards the tail end of its lifespan. But anyways, um, I would have applied online for a lot of different internships. One happened to be for DreamWorks Animation. I saw they were looking for videography interns. And um, I was like, well, I do videography for my college. Maybe I could do videography for a, an animation studio. So I applied. I didn't hear back for a few months. And then it was actually... Uh, during the Campus Movie Fest finale, like we were trying to submit our film, Iris. I got a call from California. I ignored it because I was like, nobody calls me from California. <laughs> and uh, basically, I, I got an internship, did that for a summer, then moved back out uh, and started temping with that department for like, I don't know, six months or so. I became a PA, a production assistant on a show and television division, did that for about a year. And then I became an assistant animatic editor, working specifically just on animatics on home. What was that experience like making that jump to California? You know, yes. it's the classic like fear of the unknown. And like you um, said, it was for a temp yeah. position at the time, too, right? So, yeah, uh, scary in one yeah. way. Scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had interned with the department, was called the education department, and my job was videography intern, right? So, we shot a lot of education classes. Um, so, basically, DreamWorks and a lot of other large studios, and some of them still do this and some of them don't would offer classes for their employees, right? The idea of these classes would be like professional development or learning proprietary tool sets or, or things like that. For me, um, the goal was to eventually come out and try to get a job either with them again or something like that. Did you consider doing freelance at the time? I didn't. My, my goal was to get like, I don't want to say office job, but basically like a typical job, right? Okay. More stability. And um, right, you know, my parents kind of ingrained that in me too. It's like, you want a job with like, a 401k and like health benefits. How do you find that, but also do what we do, right? That's hard. So I applied to a lot of jobs and I wasn't really getting many hits. I had a couple of interviews at traditional advertising agencies in New York City. I was like, man, if there's a time to do this, if there's a time to try, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe now's the time. So basically I just, I stayed in touch with my old department and, you know, they were kind of like, we don't have a job for you, but if you come out, maybe we could figure something out. And I was like, oh, jeez. And then uh, they were like, no, you should do it. We'll, we'll figure it out. And I was like, okay. So, oh man, I did. I got lucky. Josh, coming out of college, um, after you guys had did Iris and stuff, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I'm curious, like, what were your goals and focuses? W what did you want to do? Did you want to be a filmmaker? Did you want to? Did you want to edit? Did you want to? Were you trying to 
you know, stay in one lane and get really good at something? Were you trying to be a, a jack of all trades? Like what was kind of like your, your goal and passion? Goal in some ways, I shouldn't say still is, but cause I think I've pivoted, but goal was like cinematographer, live action, cinematographer, big budget stuff. And, and I mean, I always joke about this, but I think the side thing of that is like, I was really like tech and I like toys. <laughs> so it's like, right. It's like, I just wanted to make stuff. And then like, if I also get to play with like really cool tech and then tech related to filmmaking, that would be like the dream. I think, you know, I've listened to the podcast you guys have done in the past and you talk about like, can your passion be your job? Now I'm kind of in a weird position where, you know, I liked videography jobs because I was doing shooting. And then when I was tired of shooting, I could go edit. And I liked that. I liked that a lot because it felt like a really good balance. Now I'm at a desk all day in a dark room, which is fine. I like the people I'm in that dark room with, right? And like, it's an office job, right? So I'm not like doing these crazy shoot hours where it's like, oh, I have to drive out to the middle of the desert at like three in the morning. Right. And then like, if and when I want to do freelance stuff or if and when I want to shoot stuff, I can just kind of go shoot it and then like walk away. I don't want to spend more time editing necessarily because that's what I do all the time. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. I I had a question about, you brought up like sitting in a dark room and stuff. And, you know, I'm curious because I know Chris, you had a job as an assistant editor. Yeah. But there was reasons that Chris left that job. And I'm curious what your opinion is and how, what you feel of why Chris left that job and if they apply to you. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of talking about the same thing. I think, I think just some people are more sensitive to that balance that you were talking about. My first job out of college was um, at this company called Ultra Blend in, uh, in New York. They're basically just a big trailer house. Their primary client was HBO. And so they did like all the Game of Thrones stuff. They did any, any ad you saw was likely from them. Now, I was working on like some of the lower end clients. Like I said, I think I was just more sensitive to like I was at a desk all day. Combined with that fact that I wasn't really necessarily enjoying the people that I were. There was only like two people there that I actually liked. I don't know. It just didn't seem like people were having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, know? you also mentioned to me about um, feeling like you didn't have as much creative freedom as you right. wished. You have to, you understand that from a certain point though, because you're at the kind of lower tier. True. And, you know, paying your dues and whatnot. You know, I knew that, but I also knew that I was just like not happy, you know? Right. And that I was just like, I know I can do better things. And again, yeah, we had just come off of making some short films that I was pretty proud of. And I wanted to experiment more with that stuff. And, you know, then I had this nine to five where all of a sudden all my time was sucked away. So it was like two major, major blasts at doing that. So Josh, what's your take on that? I was just gonna say, that's my new thing. If I'm talking, not that I'm talking to people in college a lot, but if someone's like, oh, like, what advice do you have for college? Or like, what did you wish you did more? You know, like, just kind of like looking back, the thing that I miss the most about college or the thing that you forget about when you're in the real world or whatever is typically you're working on someone else's project, whether that's in the positions you guys have, in the position I have, that's all fine and great, right? You're all working as a team towards a common good. And like the the thing that people talk about is like, oh, filmmaking is, you know, a team sport or whatever. And and that's true at any level. But um, I miss working on a project or being able to do a a project where it's like, oh, I just, I just want to do this because it's, it's me. Like it's totally me. It's totally my idea. I'm experimenting. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. It doesn't matter. You don't do that. And it, yeah, if like you find a job that that's what you're doing, whether you're, you know, the director or, or, you know, I think in any job, like you said, you're going to try to find some way to make whatever you're working on yours. You're trying to inject your creativity. Yeah. But to what degree you can do that depends a lot. In animation, typically you first build an animatic. So people write a script, a bunch of storyboard artists who are really talented work with the director to turn that script into uh, panels or still images. And that means that they're doing camera and blocking of characters and all, all the things that are almost related to like cinematography. Once that happens, those panels start getting handed over to editorial. So that's when I would start getting involved or, or we would start getting involved in doing like rough assemblies and rough builds and things like that. And you're, you're trying to get a rough idea by adding sound effects and scratch dialogue. So people in the office are like, you know, playing characters and doing things like that. And so is that where things. you, is that where you kind of can step in and be, and give right. suggestions and some ideas about how to pace stuff? For sure. So like, you know, I mean, as an assistant, right, our, our first and primary job would be getting it just slapped together, right? Especially in television, the timelines are pretty short. So like step one, try to make it into something that's viewable. There's a balance of make it viewable and make it good because you want to make it good. But yeah, right from the, you know, the get go, you're starting to decide like, 
I mean, you know, like a simple example, but like I had a character for a show I did. It was like they get flung because it's cartoons. He gets flung into a, a window and then like, should he slide down quickly or should he kind of do like a... Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in there that says this is how this happens. The character gets thrown at the wall and then you have a panel of him like on the window, kind of a little bit further down and then on the ground. So do you play that like hit drop or do you play it like hit drop right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that would be an example of okay now you can step in and be like i think this would be funny so i thought it was funnier if he just like gets stuck there for a while and it's just like awkwardly and then he slowly hits the ground yeah, yeah will that stay i don't know the director might look at that and be like that's funny or the editor before the director sees it's like that's funny they'll be like this is shit this is horrible it slows down the scene we need to release so yeah selecting sound effects um oh yeah you said that creative. that was it's, a little part of it right it's like all sound editing. Once you have the time, really the timing, that's it's. I think you'd be really good at it, Chris. Oh yeah, it's all sound design. Huh. Even though a lot of it's temp and it's just going to get destroyed, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like all your work is you destroyed. To, you have to sell all these pictures, right? You have to make it like believable. So, like, if there's a dinosaur breathing in the room, and then like you cut away from the like, you have to do like keep alive for that dinosaur, right? To remind the audience that they're still there, they're off camera, like. Just weird little things like that. Right. Interesting. Um, hmm. I feel like I went on a spiral, but the original question was, how can I be creative? You're creative in small bits when you're putting the thing together. So yeah, scratch dialogue. That's a lot. Oh, dang. You just, you get him? You just stayed on me for, he was like a pet. I'll swat you. I'm going to start. Can you, can we get him on mic? If I find a lightning bug, I'll try and get a lightning bug close to the mic. I don't mind touching lightning bugs. <laughs> yeah, I was telling my, I, this is a total tangent, but I feel like you guys will really appreciate it. My mom was telling this story one time of how when they were kids, they used to go out and catch lightning bugs and they used to smush them. Yes. And put them on like Smear their, them on the put them on their, on themselves oh. and do like makeup with yeah, like glow in the dark. That's yeah. one step further than my mom. She used to like, smear them on the sidewalk. Mom? Yeah. And I draw pictures with them. What the hell's wrong with people? I don't know what's wrong with their parents. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty boring person. Do you ever hear like things that your parents have done? You're like, like you just did that. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? I don't remember. That was a good answer, though. Then I have a follow up question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. In pursuit of uh, of your cinematography dreams, how do you how do you keep yourself polished, and how do you take your how do you take your game to the next level? And what what are you working on right now, too? Lately, uh, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Hell Agreed, yeah. Warzone, baby. It's the only thing that takes us to the next level. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to level up my growl because yeah, I, we can get there together. I need a yeah. Um, I'll say that's the sad part of my answer, and I, I applaud people like you guys. I feel like oftentimes when I'm done working for the day or whatever that is, I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna just not do anything related to what like I do at work. I don't create as much as I should. Um, stuff like this, like we're doing right now. How I don't really do this that often. My girlfriend recently, um, she's a teacher, um, and they've been remote. She's like, I'm going to do a read aloud for my kids. I'm just going to like set my phone up and do a read aloud. I was like, nah, we can, we can do better than that. Yeah. She's like, please, please don't. And I was like, please. And she's like, fine. And I was like, yes. Cracks open the red, like John Wick opening the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Comes out. Just Uh, stuff like that, right? Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. Well, it's like, it's sad because like, I'm, I'm like looking at him like, like, how do you like your skin tone? She's like, I don't, I don't care. She's like, what skin tone? <laughs> so yeah, I think finding like lately for me, it's just been finding weird things to like do or, or film um, specifically what's been going on. I've wanted to like take my camera out and be like, oh, I'll go do some like street shooting or like, you know, the roads are pretty quiet and like I could get some weird eerie. I know a lot of people have done this now and I've seen some like great, yeah. great mm. um, short films that people have done. There's a really cool sci-fi one. And I, I just was like, oh, that's a really brilliant idea, right? Like the roads are quiet. You're not going to have an opportunity like this necessarily because you can't, if you're you know a small filmmaker, close down roads and, and do stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've been wanting to do more stuff like that, but I haven't as much. I, I feel the same way uh, what you're talking about with um, wanting to get away from what you just did for eight, nine hours. Because I can, I fall into those same traps too sometimes where nights where I just play video games or do nothing. I know for me personally, what helps is, is just being around Chris and Ryan and other people who they force you to do things that you may not be so motivated to do. 
but yet you are good to know we're forcing you to do this mike <laughs> it's not the right way to say it it's not the right way to say it it's totally it's totally consensual mike, mike I, run i, I totally mike, run. <laughs> no it's it's like it's like they're there we're doing it together they're on they're on a similar if not the same path and we're all striving for the same thing so like it's just the fact that they're there i feel like it's so i do not work out it's bad i need to be more active my girlfriend talks about this all the time and you just like see people it's like if you have someone when you're working out or running like she used to run a lot if you have someone who's going to hold you accountable to some degree i think it's the idea of the like i set a time and a place with these people and it's like right because that other person's counting on you and vice versa right dude that person might be saying the same thing that's like perfect callback to to what mike was saying about i mean but you're right it applies to everything yeah you know and i think you're, even just you yourself is more excited to especially now with covid to have like get together with people and do something yeah, you know excuse. and just like being around other people and doing this is generally more fun like you said you work off each other's energy that's josh's pitch for us to move out ryan says i'll give a pitch to move out do it before i move back oh. <laughs> <laughs> not to jump back to that topic but i just feel like part of the reason that i also chose to do this um if it goes horribly 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 i don't have like a home and a mortgage I'm paying off. I don't have kids. I don't have a, a pet. If there's a time to do this, it's probably now when I'm, yeah, my, my life is pretty fluid. Yeah. That's my pitch. Do it, do it yeah. now while you're young. I mean, it's not like you can't do it later. It just might be harder. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Also because, um, I know this great restaurant called salsa and beer. And oh, it's Ooh, and it's, it's really good. Good. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. All that Mexican food we used to eat. I have one more tangent I can go back to. Call of Duty. Obviously important. Obviously. Triggering, though. Triggering. You know, makes you sad if you lose, right? It, you know, it works on you, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't play it right before bed. I'll put it to you that way, because I'm like... Oh, you don't? Right? Like, you're very, well, you get yeah. sad. No. <laughs> Josh, you have... The thing is, you have to play before bed, because if you do win, just you're going to sleep the so sound well. The soundest. You're going to sleep yeah. so well. New, new plan. I'm going to play with Mike, <laughs> because I think he wins more than me. <laughs> I'll be your medic. I'll just follow you around and res you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'll just let people shoot at me while you shoot at them. Yeah. Let's do this. All jokes aside. Supermarket sweep. Josh. Downtime. Supermarket sweep. You, he did this yesterday. You went on. <laughs> Are you familiar? No. Uh, what is this? I didn't know. Don't yet. get sucked so, in. I'm sucked. This is, this is for <laughs> Suck me, Josh. Hey. Hey. Oh. Uh, so anyways. Uh, <laughs> wait, hold on. Do you hear the children? No. You have kids? We live in an apartment complex because nobody... Do you have kids in your apartment? <laughs> <laughs> Do, you hear the Do you hear the children? <laughs> no? Good. Good. <laughs> I mean, uh, what children? <laughs> Who said that? Throw something off camera. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, you explain supermarket hey. soup to him. I'm going to get another drink. Oh, can you oh. get me a drink? Yeah, what do you want? Fresh. You want another one? Freshka. All right, yeah. A different flavor. What Do you have any of these? I'll, I'll bring, I gotta bring up or that one. What? All right, everyone, chill out. Hey Chris, Chris, I'll take one too. Thank you. Supermarket sweep. I'm listening. We would go home. They have cable. There's a channel called Buzzer. Um, it plays old game shows, so it's oh. like stuff from you know the 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe 80s, 90s. Sometimes right, that's cool. And it's just fascinating to me because it's like this time machine into these really weird, really sexist, inappropriate like funny awkward like it's just a view into another time and it's a game show but then one of the shows on there is called supermarket sweep it it's like the most american thing in the world <laughs> a bunch of people are in this like supermarket set and it looks just like a supermarket and people have to you know they answer like little questions and things like that but like mm. the sweep is when they have x amount of time that they've gained from answering questions right about produce and you know branded stuff where it's like product placement for you know green beans they have to run out to the store and grab stuff off the shelves and whoever has the most when they check out like you know if you've got the most stuff they win it's wild but it's a real supermarket or it's not it's a set that's the crazy <laughs> that's the question i come back to you did not do a good enough job of explaining this so they stock the set with enough things that's what i'm saying dude. that you can unlimitedly well lim lim limit of five limit of five oh, oh items. Yeah. i think they're just doing that to make it so you don't go for like you know whatever the the most expensive thing and just get a, a crap ton of that but it's bizarre. I gotta see. I have direct. I have direct TV at home. I gotta see if I have buzzer. Well, this is now the best news for you. 
because Netflix picked up Supermarket Sweep. I don't know, they just bought some of the episodes or whatever the right. So it's on Netflix and it's mm. also on Amazon Prime streaming video. So instead of you just waiting around for the best game show out there, you just watch it directly. Binge watch Supermarket Sweep. That's amazing. Who, who got you into this show? Is it, was it Liz? No, well, no, we just found it. You see, you missed the whole story, Chris. I guess I should start it. No, we're not. <laughs> I don't want to. I heard enough last night about Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> if you heard it last night, you should have watched this today. Yeah, I guess right, so. Right, right, right. Mike gets well, me. Yeah. Now that I've derailed your podcast. No, I think that's a great <laughs> All right, we're back live on, ooh, Instagram. We're back live on Instagram. Brett's on there right now? We got a question from the audience. Uh, Brett Radner, who, uh, who's also a fellow TCNJ yeah. uh, alumnus. We got a question from him asking about uh, our thoughts on the new Canon cams that came out, the R5 and the R6. I was literally just about to go there, <laughs> believe it or not. I've been asking everybody about it because it, it seems like lately just... The Moore's Law, right? Everything's just been getting faster and bigger and heavy duty, and uh, nothing shows that more than the the 8K and the form factor of the R5. So I've been thinking about this a lot too. Think about when we were making stuff in college, right? Which wasn't that long ago at all. Imagine if that camera was released now that you're in college. Oh, right? now? Oh, yeah. So sorry. Sorry. Imagine if yeah, imagine if, now you're back in college. Yeah. Imagine if we're in college now. And right. we could just and both go, that. yeah, it's a different world, man. Which I know people were saying that years ago about us with like DSLRs, you know, like you said, it's the Moore's Law concept. The market is so competitive now. And I feel like Canon, they're just now putting their foot down and saying, hey, we can do video too, because I don't think they didn't have anything beforehand that, I mean, nothing in the, in the consumer market, I'm saying like, yeah, in the, in the range of the, like the GH4, GH5, in that range of that consumer market, like, and, and even that market is now stretching to like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 is now acceptable. And that is affordable. Mm. I think the takeaway is it's like a very good time to be doing this. Oh, it's yeah. a very exciting time. It's never been better. Consumer. Yeah. You, you know, you can even get the stuff from two or three years ago and that's all come down in price. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's even like you could even go that route of get stuff that was new three years ago, which still... Only three like, years ago. No, that's what I'm Only saying. Only three years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I think... Right, so it's like, okay, so like Canon comes out with an 8K camera and then Blackmagic's like, okay, we can do a 12K camera. It's just the idea that you, as you, you as the consumer can, one, decide what's important to you and what's important for the project you're working on. Is that extra resolution important to you because in X amount of years, you're still going to want that content viewed by people on whatever TV they're watching on? Or the dynamic range is more important. So you go with a really old camera that still has better dynamic range than some of these newer cameras. Like, it's just, I feel like it's a good time for you to be able to decide based off of all these different tools that are out there, what you want to use. They are competing against each other, but at the same time, it's like you, the consumer, are hopefully... Or benefiting. Or benefiting yeah, from yeah. it, really. And you know, there's still... A, I bet you there's still a lot of stuff that's kind of behind the curtain. Ryan and I were just having this discussion of... He had told me once before, but we got into it yesterday again, of that whole reasoning behind why some cameras um, have that 30-minute time limit on cards for video. So dumb. So dumb. And it's literally like a tax thing. It's so that... All it is. Yeah, was there? It's the EU has a tax on uh, so technically to qualify as a and still keep it as a photo camera, which is has different, I guess, tax bracketing or something. There are uh, qualifications for that or to keep their video recording under 30 minutes. You know, that's it. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I think it's related to import or something like that, like the cost of importing the thing. Right. And depending what classification it's listed as, that's what changes. Right. So like if if it's classified, like you said, as one thing, if it's classified as a recording device or a camera or something like that, it's just cost. And they figure that X amount of their market in a country or in that country or a collection of countries, they're going to lose that money. How much are we talking? How much money are we talking? Come on. How much money? Really? Come on. How much money are we talking here? I heard that. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's another sad. I mean, you guys have probably started realizing this. I mean, at least for me, it started coming with adulthood or whatever. It's like, it's just about money. It's just about money. Everything, any, everything. Any decision. Any everything, decision yes. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Any decision ever. Yeah. There's a money. Money. So thanks for your question, Brett. <laughs> <laughs>
My answer is, dang, that's cool. And I hope to one day use it. Yeah. I wanted to go back just a little bit. Um, yeah. So you're on a certain certain show at DreamWorks, right? How does it work with people being assigned? Did you get assigned to that show or were you... Uh, how does that work? How does the whole process work? So at least in, in my experience, at least at DreamWorks, um, in order to be an assistant editor or an editor or, or one of those positions at DreamWorks or usually any of the major studios, they're union shops. What is union? Okay, so union is... Um, you know what a union is. I'm not going to explain what a union is. I'll just say this. I'm well, how about member. how's how about specific to an editor's union? Because you you're in one, right? Right. So there's something called IATSE, mm-hmm. which is um, a collection of unions. So it's basically the entertainment. And there's a very long title, and a lot of it actually has to go back to like um, like stage hands and like theater because they were intertwined in the beginning. But basically, IATSE is the umbrella or the the, the top, if you will. They encompass a collection of the union. So there's Local 700, which is my union, which is the um, Motion Picture Editors Guild. So I'm technically a member of the oh, okay. Local 700 Motion Picture Editors Guild. There's a building for it and right across the street is Local 600, which is the International Cinematographers Guild, right? So- is your uh, name on a on a plaque in there somewhere? No, but I have a union card. <laughs> I just, I just got a bill. I just got a bill to pay my union dues. I can pull that up for you. You want me to go grab that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you actually want me to go grab that? <laughs> Ryan chimed in. No. Very I stern. Guess, yeah. Ryan is not interested at all in seeing that. But I think it was, there's a collection. So there's a collection of unions and my union happens to be one of them. And it's, it's for the entertainment industry. So there's ones for, you know, stagehands. There's ones for, right. um, you know, grips, um, you know, different positions. And certain shows, even if it's a movie or a feature or whatever, typically the, the industry term that I've come to learn is they call them shows. What show are you on? Which is weird because if you're on a movie, you probably want to say movie, but show is... is right, yeah, that's the term. I'm on yeah. a TV show, so I'm like, yeah, I'm on a show. And it's like, right, but that's just the, that's the term. So um, depending on the show, depending on the studio, and depending on the project, you'd be required to be union. Oh. So in my case... I got lucky because oftentimes in order to become union, you would have to fulfill a couple of different things. So for the cinematographer, for the, um, excuse me, for the editor's guild, you, you would have to be able to book X amount of hours or be able to document X amount of hours on non-union projects. And then you could apply to be on a roster. And if you're on this roster, then a show at DreamWorks or one of these, companies, oh, you get like drafted. You. Basically it's part of the hiring. So imagine you went for an interview and they really liked you. It's supposed it was a union show. If you weren't on the roster, they wouldn't be able to hire you. You're not on the list, man. So in my case, I got really lucky being at DreamWorks and being within a studio system. I was kind of able to get into a union position by virtue of getting the job. And then I worked towards my union hours to be able to then have, you know, um, health benefits and, and things like that. Okay. Because that's not coming from my employer anymore, right? So technically, oh, union member, that's I how union dues. Oh, comes from the union. Yeah. And um, like previously when I was at DreamWorks, I was non-union. I was part of DreamWorks. It wasn't Comcast at the time, but I was part of DreamWorks. And as a result, you know, I had a, a 401k. I had health benefits through that company. Once I moved over to union, there was actually an interim period where I was on Cobra because I had oh, okay. insurance, but I was paying for it. But I got really lucky. DreamWorks actually paid for my insurance during that time, during that, oh. that gap period where I was union, but I wasn't eligible to receive union benefits. So I wasn't eligible to receive gotcha. health benefits. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, because I didn't have that hour. Right? I needed those bank of hours. I think it was like 400 hours or something like that. Right. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. I've, uh, well, one thing I think you brought up too is I've heard a lot of people talk about how um, a lot of uh, gigs for like a movie are contracted. So when you're working a show, it could be, you know, a six-month contract or a two-year contract, but you're full-time employed by by Dreamers. So when they, yes. yeah, that's that's my question is like, can they just say like, bye? <laughs> so I'm an at-will employee. So I think at any time within reason, I could leave or they could terminate me or, you know, I, I wouldn't be on that project. Right. Um, kind of to go back to our conversation earlier, I feel like I found a weird thing where I have a nine-to-five job. It's really nine-to-six. We work nine to six and then we have... Yeah, you get an hour on lunch, yeah. So I have that job, which is generally those hours. They, they And even especially in TV, they want you to stay within those hours because it's budgetary. So I feel like I found this weird balance of like, 
office job in the sense that it's like more of a traditional job, but it's still in our, it's still in the entertainment field. So I feel like for me, that was something I was really looking for because you kind of have that balance. You have mm. a balance of, you kind of know what to expect. You're generally not going to be, like I said, working crazy hours overnight on a, a remote shoot or something like that, which, uh, you know, to some degree is exciting, but you know, as far as like a traditional job, it's, it's more, it's more like that in that way. And yeah, so I'm on, I'm on a show. I've been fortunate that that show has spun off into other shows, right. which has granted me a job that lasts longer than expected, right? Because the project goes one to the next to the next. Hypothetically, after this project, my luck will run out because I don't, I don't necessarily think maybe, I'm, maybe the, the last show, the last show was called Wizards, so that'll be coming out right. uh, actually end of the next month, I think. And then I'm on a another project that I can't talk about at the moment. Ooh, after that. There's nothing really left at the moment. So, so yeah, the idea is if you're in a studio system, you try to stay in that studio system. And yeah. if the studio likes you, then they're going to try to keep you around. But even if they like you and they don't have a, a gap show to put you on or something like that, if there isn't another thing, you don't have a job. Yeah, right? does that happen to you? On me. Not yet, oh, yeah. right? I mean, that that's definitely worked on me. And uh, I mean, my first experience with it was like, I was moving from production assistant to animatic assistant editor. And I was going to a show called Home. I hadn't really heard of it. It's like the movie Home, but now it's like Home Adventures with Tippino or something like that. It's a 2D show. I was on the show maybe three weeks. This is my first job as like doing this thing that I want to do, right? So I'm already a little worried about that. And I think it's like my third week or something and we get called into this big meeting and uh, they basically get told like, hey, so you know, Netflix isn't buying more of the show, right? Because that's why TV works very well. It's guaranteed money. Somebody, Netflix, whoever it is, sets a show budget, they pay for it, and then they get, I believe they get paid on an episodic basis, right? So like when you deliver an episode, you get paid and you can balance your books. You know, at Netflix decided they didn't want to go deep with the show, meaning they didn't want to have multiple, multiple, multiple seasons. seasons you know, yeah. It's better to go wide, especially for kids programming. So instead of you having six seasons of the show, even if it's working really well, what's better is to have a couple seasons and then do a spinoff and then do a spinoff yeah. and do a spinoff because it's new. That sells better. So anyways, now you have all these people crying in a room because they've worked together for years. And I'm like, I just got here. <laughs> you know? I just jumped from this job that I would have had as a PA for another X amount of years. It would have been safe. Right. And I just jumped to this other job. And now within a couple of months, the show's ending. So I hypothetically will be out of a job, right? Right, right. And then, you know, Mike, to answer your question, basically what happened is I worked on it for a few months and then they were gifted with a holiday special so that he bought me some more time <laughs> now all of a sudden i had another few months because i was working on that and then as my end date they call it an end date started getting closer <laughs> um the producer from my old show the executive producer kind of was like hey you're an editor now or you're an editor now and i was like yeah and he's like you should come do that with us and i was like that'd be cool so then i was able to roll on to the next show so so interesting because it feels like like that reminds me, I mean, it's almost like contract work. It's almost like freelance work where you're like, you work on a project for a little bit and then when it's over, you move on to the next thing. But it's so weird because you work for DreamWorks. Yeah. That's, it feels like you work for a, like you said, like a corporate job. It's like you're working for a large, large company, but like your yeah, 365 yeah. days a year isn't even guaranteed. You're right. Cause it's like, there, there's definitely positions at DreamWorks that are more typical. The department that we interned in, the education department, yeah. they are not assigned to a project. They're considered overhead, unfortunately, as... Not anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah as corporate overlords took over, they, they started slicing that department. But the idea was, right, if that department isn't directly gener generating revenue for the company, then you're considered overhead. So they, you know, ha would have a job indefinitely is the idea. They're not on a project. They're making classes for the studio. As new people come in and out of projects and whatever, the, the need is still going to always be there to educate, to train, you know, for, for someone like me. You know, you're there for the project. And when that project's done, you're right. It's like freelance. Hopefully you get on to the next thing, but it's not guaranteed. There you go. Yeah. I feel like that sounds negative. It's very, it's just no, very I mean, interesting. It's, it's not just, negative. Yeah. It's just like, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it brings me back to when we were just, we were just on with a bunch of um, old people from, uh, Old people, uh, old friends, and you know, colleagues from from when we worked at, at Dreamer. Bunch of old people. Bunch of old, bunch people. of old yeah. folk. <laughs> um, a lot of them, since we've seen them, have been at five different places. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whether that means they're doing it for them, or that's kind of where I started to hear this thing of contractual work. Of like, oh, I got to go work on this show for six months, then I went here for two years, and it was kind of that whole thing. Another, I didn't realize how many people work. It's like, oh. If you work for DreamWorks, you're probably not going to work for Disney or like, you know, like you imagine there's like not reciprocity there, I guess. Or in my head, I had always imagined it wouldn't like, 
you wouldn't necessarily jump back and forth a lot. Right. It's very typical. Someone gets a job at Disney and they work on something for a bit at Disney and they come back to DreamWorks or they come back to another studio and then they go back, you know, like there's... They just jump from show to so show, much. really. Yeah, there's... And that's why I think, you know, people always say the industry is really small, the animation industry is even smaller. There's just a lot of people that you see overlap because of, one, it being kind of a specialized thing and two, um, you know, just the way projects go. You're just going to work with a lot of those people again, potentially. Ryan was saying we got a comment on uh, about shows and and how um, does does quality suffer when you start spreading out your resources among? I I don't think that applies at that at your level just because of how scalable the teams are. Is that what they mean, or is it, do they mean like in the, in the uh, sense of a Netflix show having more seasons versus just creating more shows about that thing? Oh, within the single show. Here's, here's the interesting thing about animation or TV animation, right? Oftentimes, so like we've had a f- several spinoff shows, a couple new characters, new stories. And in our case, you know, it's called the Tales of Arcadia tr- trilogy. So it all ties in in some way. But a lot of that also just comes from budget, right? So animation is expensive. Television animation is still going to be expensive. So they have to keep the budget small. And one way they can do that is if you have all of these things that are built, which cost money, the sets, the character designs, the props, the clothing, all right, all this stuff costs money to create because it's from nothing. When you start doing spin-offs, you reuse a lot of that. So if the set hasn't changed, right? The characters have changed, but they're still in the same city for the most part. There's gonna be a couple new sets, there's gonna be a couple new characters. That saves a lot of money. So that's part of it. Right. Yeah. Sets have changed. You know, like it, it's you're saving money. That's that's the cost saving thing. That's not all of it, but that's a large part of it, specifically for television animation. I mean, we've had meetings on, on on our shows about that. Can you know? Does this have to be staged here? Can we just stage that elsewhere? Right. We already have that location. We don't have to build a new location. We don't have to light a new location. Even with props. So does the quality suffer? Probably. Maybe. <laughs> it's not new. It's reused. <laughs> it's all about money. Bringing it back. It's all about money. That's what I'm saying. It sounds yeah. like a quality suffer. That's right. Maybe. Mike didn't do his homework. I didn't do my homework. Again. Yeah, I know. Well, this is what's good about it, is that me and Josh watched the movie that Mike uh, wanted me to watch. So we can at least talk about the one. <laughs> this is going back th- like three months now, by the way, yes, that, this is that, that Mike told me to watch Crazy Stupid Love. And Chris, you watched it. Yeah, and I watched it. And so did you. And uh, and apparently, uh, Mike, state your case. Okay, why, so why is it your favorite uh, rom com of all time? It is my favorite rom com of all time. It's just it's a movie that I just I could pick it up at any moment when it's on. I'll watch it through and through. I'll watch it on repeat. I don't know. A lot of these movies that like you know aren't considered great movies, but they have great heart. I love that. I feel like Crazy Stupid Love is just one of those movies that just has so much heart to it. It, it's almost it almost feels self-aware of itself that it's a rom-com so it doesn't feel tropey and overdone in areas and it's just done so well and that's why i think it's the best rom-com. it's yeah it's not like overly sad or droopy or yeah. trying to be cutesy and like it's just played very well it's written very well i think i don't really know where to start but so i'll just i'll just start with my my first thing or my biggest thing rather about when i was watching this movie, which I kind of talked to Ryan a little bit about it before. Well, you guys both tell me if you felt this way. The biggest thing I noticed and that I took away from it was uh, when it started getting towards the uh, the climactic scene where like all the... Oh, dude, what the fuck is that? That's a B. Dude, that's a B. could ignore that. Dude, what the hell? Why is it... It's night. He's supposed to be sleeping. Do bees sleep? He's on California time. I said that B. That's my B proxy. Dude, I can't, I can't concentrate like this. There's there's a B movie joke in here somewhere. All right, he left. Is he still up there? Wait, yeah, don't no, don't tell me. He's on my side. Oh fuck. <laughs> he's gone, Chris. Can't see all right, him. all right, he's gone. No, he can't see Chris. Him. Yeah, for oh, uh, I was gonna say, ask him if he likes jazz. No, snake jazz. All right, so anyway, <laughs> I don't know. All right, my biggest thing I noticed was in the climactic scene when all the pieces of yes. the movie start to come together. It gave me such Once Upon a Time in Hollywood vibes. Hmm. It, because it was like, I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, it's the same thing of nothing really made sense up until that scene. <laughs> but I th- it was even grander than that because it was like four different things 
that they had come together, that they did such a good job of limiting your time so you didn't think about it too much. And it just works so well. Even if you didn't like everything else, it's worth it just for that scene. Yeah. Like the payoff is so big emotionally that it's just like, yep. it was amazing. It was, it was, a, it was a 10 out of 10 for, for, you know, pacing and editing because it, you know, it was like, I kept asking myself, where is mm-hmm. this going? And then I found out and it was glorious and I laughed my ass off. I, and it reminded me of being in the theater of what's upon a laughing, laughing my ass off because of payoff. And it's like, Dude, when you do payoff right, oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, I feel like you as an audience member feel, oh, well, this, this was so worth it when you have payoff that actually lands. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I went into it being pretty, not negative, but I was just like, I, I don't know anything about this movie. It wasn't on my radar. I'm guessing it's average. I'm sure this will be fine. It was very good. I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed it. Because at first I was like, like I was trying to decide when to watch because I had so much supermarket sweep to watch. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got, I, when am I going to fit? I mean, I got a busy schedule here between Call of Duty and supermarket sweep. When am I going to fit this in? Because it felt this was homework. And I was like, no. Good priorities. Yeah. It was great. It did a good job in every category. The acting was well done. It wasn't overdone. The editing and pacing felt really good. The writing felt really good. Even the payoffs didn't feel terribly predictable or terribly like cliche. So I think it I think it just did a really good job in most of the categories. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for the yeah. gift of that movie. Yeah, that Favorite was chill. Rom com. Yo, I thought that the thing that happened towards the end was a little fucked up, where she gives the kid the the photo. Oh. When I was watching that, I felt a little weird about that. So did you feel weird about that? I watched it with Alyssa. <laughs> like, we were like, what what did Alyssa say? Yeah. Well, just so we keep having these moments where, so we just started watching It's Always Sunny. Oh, you just started just watching started, It's oh. Always Sunny? I finally did it. I'm sorry. It took forever. Josh. Just be thankful he started. I, right. I just started it with Jackie too. So I'm looking at it because I'm like, okay, when was this made? Mm. I understand what they're going for. I understand. Like, yeah. I'm viewing it as they are mocking Americans straight up, right? Like they are. That's mostly what it is. It's hard, I feel like, the way it's shot and the way it's done to like not look at it and be like, oh, they're their characters. Like These are these people who are just being these people, who are, which is meaning they're doing a really good job. But whatever. I feel like that show wouldn't be made now. It's Always Sunny? Yeah. In uh, that capacity. Well, the thing is, they still have seasons coming out. Right. Season 14 yeah, just I, came maybe out. I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say this, but some of the jokes that have gone on, I'm like, I'm curious to see how long this goes. Well, you, Ryan and I just got only, the B, by the way. <laughs> We had a whole emergency situation over here while you guys were doing that. No, he was a, he was a sluggish bee. There's just going to be a super cut of all the times we were interrupted tonight by bugs. By bugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this episode. Dude, I don't care about bugs. When it's bees, I don't like that. Netflix UK just recently took down their two blackface episodes or one blackface oh, episode. God. Dude, gotten this far. But which yeah, which worry. which the community is pissed. And even I will say, it's like, come on. It's Always Sunny is intentionally extremely satire. And the characters are horrific people. They're just the worst degenerates that can exist. The show is satire. They've said, so they've said the N-word. They've, do, they've done so <laughs> bad things that other shows and other people can't do. It, it's because of the characters, because it's satire. It's because they do it so well. It's just, it's absolutely amazing yeah. to watch. And it's because you know it's wrong. Is that's what makes it funny. What was the point of what we were talking about? The point was, we were surprised because I felt like the movie generally was like, it's not that they weren't pushing the bounds. Of that. Like that makes it sound like it's dull. I'm just saying as far as like the jokes they were making, as far as how far they were going, I don't know, pretty tame in general. Right. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I, same thing. I wasn't sure how to feel about it. Do you, do you think it would have played the same if it wasn't in the film? If just that last scene? Yeah. It, you would, you kind of wouldn't have had a, a nice end cap to that relationship. I mean, a resolution. Uh, I, I He's think the only character who didn't get a payoff in that yeah, climax. That would have been the, the one thing. Yeah. So then it was necessary, I guess, in some way. In some small way. Yeah. You guess you could have played it differently or done something different, but Robbie needed something. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I'm glad someone else picked up on it. <laughs> it was an eyebrow moment. Yeah, it was just a slightly, slightly thing that I was like, huh. It's like, you see that? Yeah. Was, <laughs> you see what just happened? It was funny. I felt, I, I was happy for him, but. 
<laughs> anyway, um, Josh, uh, what's your what's your final rating? If you if if you had podcast, uh, definitely not this podcast. <laughs> podcast ten out of ten out of twenty. Good. All right. I'm glad we got that settled. Uh, did you, do you have a a rating? I don't know. You don't have to give one. I always give one. Uh, no, I I was it was up there as far. I mean, like, so I has anyone seen Notting Hill? <laughs> nah. Okay, highly recommend. No, yeah. that was like oh. a, a. I never heard of. It was raised on. Okay. Um, my big fat Greek wedding. Whatever. Mm -hmm. It's up there for me with those movies, which to me are like movies that I've either watched growing up or watched with family or, or whatever. Right, those right. Are, those are the movies that I would go to. Like, like you would go to this film. Um, so for me, I thought it was up. There. All right, my hairline. I will give it seven and a half. Josh, have you seen? I know Chris. I don't think has. Have you seen Heat? With De Niro, Pacino, 1995, Michael Mann. I'm, I'm very disappointed to say I haven't. Usually, so we, when I, uh, the first movie I said was Night's Tale, right? Yeah. Yeah, Crazy Stupid Love, which are like some of my favorite movies to watch. Heat is, I think, in my opinion, one of the best movies just ever made, period. It's Pacino and De Niro at their peak. You have Prime, and they're Prime. The movie is absolutely incredible. They did a shootout in LA. It's one of the most gripping, realistic shootout scenes okay. ever made. Watch behind the scenes of this. Have you seen behind the scenes? It's coming they, back. They use real, they use blanks yeah. in the streets of LA. I think LA, I might have too. And they used production sound, production audio. They didn't ADR replace any sound effects for the guns. That's because crazy. the sounds of the guns firing in the streets of LA was were so like chilling the buildings and stuff oh it was yeah. they said it was chilling that they had to record it and that's what they end up using the movie as a, as a whole yeah. is absolutely incredible it's amazing gg i dig it put it on your list put it on your on oh, first kiss your kiss bang bang list. yes it's so underrated dude i don't know how no one's heard of it it's like fuck. i've seen two scenes from it because i know and robert downey and val kilmer yeah val kilmer yeah heat peak val kilmer and heat <laughs> So, well, Chris, you had a game that you wanted to play. <laughs> you did say. We, what was I doing? Oh, I was like, do your, be do your best impression or impersonation of, of X. So I, I told, I asked Mike what his best impersonation of a dinosaur was. And he, he did a really fucking good one. Mike, lay, lay it down for us. Okay. I'm ask scared. Me, ask me again, Chris. Hey, Mike. <laughs> what's it? What's it? Uh, do your, do your best impression of a, of a dinosaur. Did you turn you turned into really a Velociraptor? Those barks were incredible. Yeah. Hear that? He's got I he's a good physical actor. I I've told you that. I'm not following that. No shot. <laughs> Josh, do your best impression of a uh like a sea like an old oh. sea captain. Oh. Who um Who's trying? Who's who's trying to make small talk at a at a nightclub? <laughs> I feel like it's gonna swing pirate. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing is, this old sea captain, not pirate. <laughs> nah, it's gonna go pirate. <laughs> okay, change it, change it to pirate then. Change it to pirate making no, small talk at pirate. a nightclub. I'm not changing it to pirate. I'm just saying. All right. Well, then, it's, well, it's up to you. Yeah. So you <laughs> want to know about me, Pegleg? <laughs> Move on closer and I'll show you. Mike's, I don't know if that's small talk. That's more like hitting on something. Mike was so much easier. You have to come up with like sentences. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, a whole bit. Ryan said give him something for Instagram. Uh, well, somebody give me, oh, give uh, me one. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Give us an impression. I'm really hoping you say seagull. That's the only thing I can do. <laughs> it doesn't have to be an animal. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, wait. Oh. So, inanimate object. Do your best impression of a washing machine. <laughs> good, 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 good. Washing machine. I want to like use my body. It's a heavy load. I, I just yeah. I just put a heavy load in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You hear that? I don't think you can hear that. It's fine. I heard that. <laughs> What, what, what about some agitation? Let's see some agitation. 
I don't know what to do. For that. Have you ever used a washing machine? Yeah. If they're not balanced properly, like if you don't have the little spinny wheels, I think that's more dryers though. It might be. It might be. No, no. no washers can be unbalanced. You gotta. Re- you gotta spread that. Close out. And then <laughs> Why is everybody a washing machine expert all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> I've been using them for years. Washers can become unbalanced. <laughs> How if you put get? if you put too many jeans on one side, Chris? Yeah, yeah. And if it's not sitting right, dude. How how are we gonna get this LG sponsorship if you don't do it, <laughs> Chris? I want you to do an impression of a classic Transylvania vampire on trial for murder, and you're pleading not guilty. But you clearly did it because the woman has bite marks in her neck. And you're running out of time because there's a window. Was this all you were thinking about for the last 30 seconds when I said (laughs) I wouldn't do the washer? (laughs) All right, all right. I have to get into my accent. (laughs) Somebody cross-examine me. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan's never been to court. Vampire question mark. <laughs> Where did you take the woman? Um, I took her to the club. And what did you do with her at the club? I bought her a drink. Sounded like Count Chocula over here. Dude, it's like Luigi and you're Christopher Walken. <laughs> it is like Christopher Walken. <laughs> That's what it is. I love it. I, uh, I, 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 I was like Rocky. <laughs> Chris, I'll give you. I'll give you your out. Has anyone watched um, what we do in the shadows? Yes, yes. That's where my idea came from. So we watched the movie. We oh, we watched the movie. Oh, so I haven't seen the show still. Yeah. You just yell "bat" and you turn into a bat. <laughs> That's your act. <laughs> I think that's about it, gents. That was a, that was a good ending. I gotta eat some dinner. Yeah, I gotta get some uh, sleep. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Lukowitz, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. I'm Absolutely. Just, uh, you know, yeah. So uh, I'll just go back to watching Supermarket Sweep. Oh, well, I was going to say uh, Warzone, Warzone tomorrow. Warzone tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love <it> those. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheers again. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Mike. And uh, thank you to our guest producer, Ryan, for Ryan. hanging in there with us tonight, running our uh, live stream and whatnot. And um, have a good night, everyone. Cheers. For more content, check out Helium Turtle Studios on YouTube, where we post our short films, video tutorials, and behind-the-scenes. Ew, what the fuck was that? Looks like a swollen tick. Yeah, that's why I had one that looked like that. They're too big to be ticks, though. I mean, a tick wouldn't fall out of the sky like that either. Hey, man. When it starts raining ticks, <laughs> kill me. 2020 is officially in oh, God, yeah. full force when it starts raining ticks. <laughs> what a specific plague. Does that mean they're dead if it's raining? Well, is that better? It'd be better. <laughs> is that be- I, would argue, I would argue, yeah.